Defining our relationship with money is hard. Managing it is also hard. Understanding our emotional relationship with our finances and, and our day-to-day money and, and transaction is damn near impossible. Uh, and that's what Brenda aims to, aims to do. Uh, Brenda St. Louis is a certified money coach through the Money Coaching Institute of California. Uh, her goal basically is to use money as a tool um, for each of us to step more into our unique selves and feel more empowered, more confident, more happy. Uh, so Brenda offers one-on-one coaching. Uh, she works with high net, in, uh, high net worth individuals to work th- through those emotional blockages. Um, and she's just a, a kind soul, a kind heart. Uh, so we kind of we, we went through and described what the hero's journey is and how it relates to money, um, what those archetypes are, what money archetype do you exist in and how does that relationship uh, change as you go through your life or as you advance through these cycles. So um, if you have any issue with money, like most of us do, uh, if you've had any problems in the past um, or you want to just deepen your relationship, become more knowledgeable, take a different look at it because you've tried things and they haven't worked, uh, this is a really good conversation for you. Thank you, Brenda, for coming by. Yeah. Let's, just, let's get to the elephant in the room. Well, I don't know. I, I guess the best way for me to describe it is that we are inundated with a certain way to relate with money in the world. And I would say one of the biggest drone realities, which means I think we're sleeping, mm. we're not aware of it, is that more is better. Mm. You know, people are always thinking like, if I had more money, if I had more time, if I had more sex, if I had more friends, if I had more love, like it's always like more and more and more. And no one cultivates that place of enough or satisfaction and I think that's kind of what's destroying the planet it's creating depression it's creating comparison all of that stuff and I would say that is the hum that everyone has bought as truth mm. when it's not but most people live from a perspective that more is better yeah there's definitely a law of diminishing returns at some point I mean some people would even call it inhumane for someone to have a billion dollars how does, someone, how does someone have a billion dollars when someone lives on a dollar a day? Um, that's just kind of where my mind goes there. Um, so we're, we're operating on a frequency of uh, more is better. Uh, happiness is directly correlated to money. Uh, love and my self-worth maybe is directly correlated to money. Or maybe I'm just talking about myself here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll love me if I buy you that steak. Um, so... What is the shift that you're trying to make? How, what is the, uh, what message are you trying to portray within that? Um, if you're trying to get people away from the kind of paradigm of more is, more is not more, um, and getting them towards the paradigm of a more sustainable, a more mindful approach with money, what, what does that mean to you? What does that, how does that, how do, can we put that in real terms? Yeah, like, I mean, I think there's a process to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, I, I think when I say more is better, everyone's going to agree that, yeah, that's true. Mm. You know, or there's never enough. Like most people are going to say, yeah, that's a problem. I mean, we're over, cons- like you look at the plastic in the oceans, you look at all the stuff out there, right? And I think it's not enough to just know that it's a problem. I think there's a internal process that you have to go through to learn what enough is mm. and you cultivate it and you learn, you, you pay attention. You, how much is enough food to eat? 
you know, sometimes we just eat and eat and eat until we're full when really you've eaten way past way what you're, too much. yeah. So we don't cultivate that. We're not taught that as kids, mm. you know, impulse control is this weird thing that some people have, some people don't, mm. you know, it's not something built into our society in a way mm. we don't see it. It's not, there's not a lot of examples of it. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's not, if it's like one thing, like when I'm working with clients, I have to go into their story. You know, we've kind of built our belief systems around parents, society, culture, things like that. And if we don't understand it, we don't understand what created that for us, then it's hard to undo it. Mm -hmm. The stories, the narratives that we live in and, and, where those started, how those continue to take, become realities and how our past experiences and memories with these transactions and how we've dealt with money and how we've made it tangible or intangible affects us constantly. Oh man, here we go. Now we're into the therapy, right? <laughs> so when people, people, people manage money, when they think about managing money, they think, okay, well, all right, what's my savings account doing? What's my checkings account doing? Like, uh, do I have a TFSA? What is a TFSA? What is tax free? What's the other one? What are those two other letters? What does that mean? How do I, how do I navigate <laughs> this? People, the government wants money for me. Shit. Um, again, we've cultivated a relationship in a certain way that's around numbers and you're, you know, again, how am I managing the zeros and the ones and the commas and the decimals? And you're going to a completely different direction, which is about, you know, what came first, the chicken or the hen? Was it your, what's the causation here? And let's get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is not actually the dollar figure that's sitting in your bank account. That's not where the root is. The root mm -hmm. is somewhere else. Where is it? That's so, there's so many places I can go with this. You know, this is one of the most fav my favorite things to talk about. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me here talking about money. Um, before I answer that, I kind of want to talk a little bit about emotional intelligence. Mm, what you does know, it mean? so what I understand emotional intelligence is is you know what you're feeling, mm -hmm. and you've felt it before on some level, and you understand why you're feeling what you're feeling. Okay. Right. So you can have emotional intelligence in a relationship where someone triggers you, they say something and you realize you're reacting and because you've had some practice, you learn, oh, I'm not going to react that way. I'm going to try it differently because you're right. more present. Right? right. And we can have emotional intelligence with our work, with our family, with our friends. And then there is financial intelligence. Mm. So financial intelligence is like financial literacy, understanding all the numbers, understanding what to do and how to budget or how to, you know, save or whatever, right? Some, all the terms that you were numbers. listing. Yeah. Numbers. Yeah. Um, but what I find is that when you do not have emotional intelligence with financial intelligence, that's when everything goes awry. And you can't have emotional intelligence unless you've navigated it. And there's like, when we make choices around money, they make, they don't often make logical sense. I don't know about you. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, Absolutely not. I know. Like yeah. I want that watch. I don't have any money. I'm going to yeah. put it on a credit card yeah. Yeah. or, you know, I want to impress this girl and I'm going to buy all this stuff that completely does not represent who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, however we choose to show up with finance, it doesn't always make logical sense, mm -hmm. but it makes perfect emotional sense. 
So when you look at it from both lenses and being able to navigate your emotions and your financial literacy together, that's when you're golden. That's Mm. when you start to make better decisions. Mm. But rarely do people put emotional intelligence around money. Yeah, of course not. Like when you meet a financial planner or you meet like a banker or something, they'll tell you what to do, right? (laughs) They'll tell you, this is what you should do. You should max out your RSPs. You should max out your TFSA. Um, You should be spending, saving 20% of your income for your retirement or whatever. Whatever the number is. Whatever the number is. Or um, you should only be using... 55% 55% of your income for living for your day-to-day stuff. Like, you know, there's all these percentages of how you're supposed to do it and all that stuff, but there's no connection to who the person is mm-hmm. and what their needs are and what they're, what they're trying to soothe, what they're right. moving through. And so then they fail and then they go, I don't want to talk to anyone. They're just going to tell me I've done it wrong again. Yeah. 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 I know there's a right way to do it. I know there's a wrong way to do it but I don't care for the right way because the right way doesn't connect with my values or my emotions or how I feel or how I want to feel because life isn't about money. Life is about making, life is about a human experience. It's about feeling every day. It's about our connection to experience, our connection to our emotions. Um, and if these numbers aren't doing it for me, I'm just going to not look at my banking app or I'm just going to not look at my credit card statement and hey, I feel great. So that's a solution for me. I'm going to stick with it. As long as I feel great. As long as I feel great. Even though I'm not sleeping at night because I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So you said there's um, financial intelligence, there's emotional intelligence. If I'm a listener, I'm thinking, okay, I kind of understand what emotional intelligence is. Financial intelligence, I kind of understand it a little bit as well. Just kind of understanding the ins and outs. What's what's credit? What's debit? What's um, what's uh, what are registered accounts and and what are investment vehicles? Okay, I'm, okay, I'm kind of starting to find my way around that. Um, but that doesn't tell me anything about my relationship with those two things. Mm-hmm. So how do I, what are some clear signs that, you know, maybe the relationship I have with this thing called money isn't the, in the place that it needs to be? It's when we make choices with our money that we know are going against what we would like to create as our lives. Okay. So if you're saying, you know, I really want to get out of debt. <laughs> Okay, you know, I keep, I got all this school debt or maybe I was in a relationship and my partner racked up my credit cards. I have all this debt or, you know, we do stuff, you know, we are impulsive. We might be, you know, 25 getting a new job in the workplace and we have to show off this certain look we want. So we don't even think. So we go buy all the bags, the clothes, the hair, the nails or whatever, right? Because you buy hair in 2019. Yes, (laughs) you do. You can get extensions. (laughs) That's that's just a fundamentally weird thing that is completely okay. You can get it on your eyelids. (laughs) You can get eyelashes put on. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And or the Botox or the the Botox. yeah. Yeah, you name it. So there's so many ways that we use our money to get us where we think we'll create the image where we want to create, Mm. right? So it's really disconnected from self. It's more about how are you perceiving me? Mm. Will you like me? Will I matter? Mm. You know, like there's a lot of that kind of stuff around money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went off on a tangent of why debt happens. Like you can, you can get debt because you lost a job and you had to live off a line of credit like you know there's lots of reasons why debt can show up but if you have an objective like okay by 30 years old i want to be debt free sure right and then every weekend you overspend (laughs) 
it's you not know? gonna happen yeah. it's just not gonna happen yeah so i found a lot of times with clients before i've seen them they've claimed bankruptcy wow you know and they're 30. crazy you know so it's like there is a problem mm. and it's not about i mean i could also say there's a problem where students should not be paying this much money to go to school yeah like that's a huge problem there's systematic influences here yeah um minimum wage is not even close to living wage yep it can't support people people live in a city that are paying like twenty five hundred dollars for rent for a, a single person yeah, yeah. A one bedroom like how do you do that yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. so systematically there's a problem too mm. And the wealth distribution of people that have an enormous amounts of wealth and like, like yeah, okay, so systematically I can go off on that. Right, but of <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, it's funny because if you think of that macro look into the micro look of how we as people are interacting with money, it is kind of toxic too. Totally. You know, so it's really, it's unexplored terrain. It's so interesting because on an individual level, we we have a, a, a very odd relationship with money. We also, we, all, we often toss it to the side. We buy things we don't need to fulfill our immediate wants. And we, you know, think, okay, I'll deal with it when I'm later or, or I'll deal with it when I'm earning more or my, you know, maybe my family will come in and help me out or I'll just claim bankruptcy. It's fine. And then you say on a systematic level, yes, there's wealth distribution uh, issues. There's, you know, inequality there. But it, like, think about how much it's, it, there's parallels to how we treat our world. Like we treat our world the exact same way we treat our money. The exact same way we treat our money. It's disposable. It's disposable. <laughs> Human lives are disposable. Countries are disposable. Some economic systems are more valuable than others. Yeah, this this space and uh, you know this uh, one kilometer by one kilometer space in downtown Vancouver is very very important. But a one kilometer by one kilometer space in the middle of the forest, no, nah, it's not important. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know, or in the ocean or whatever it may be. So these things overlap and overlap and overlap. So um, I digress and say what's the point of in intervention for you? So for instance, you, yes, there's a, there's someone that says, Hey, I want to be out of debt by such and such a date, or I want to, uh, I want to be, I want to have a hundred thousand uh, dollars liquid in the next three years or something like that. And you look at, you know, the, what they're doing on their, uh, in their day to day lives and how they're treating their money. And you try to figure out a game plan to those goals or how does it all work? Well, I mean, you've. Well, I mean, we always bring it down to the person and the pain in their life and how to find a solution for it. Okay. And like, that's what you're doing, right? Like you went global. Okay. Like there's the ocean, there's the, the, the forest, there's the, you know, money is disposable. The earth is disposable. It's like this financial systems are freaking toxic. Totally. Like I doing a much broader stroke to why I do what I do sure. is because we live in a very financially toxic world. Right. The way Wall Street is made, created, the way value is created on the stock market, totally. the way, you know, I think there was just an article with Ray Dalio just recently about um, capitalism and how when the trickle down effect happened where they would take, the, the, the rich didn't have to get as taxed as much and mm. so they could have the profit. The idea was that then they put the money into you know the system and it would trickle down and but they don't what they do is they take the money and they reinvest it yeah. and get make more mm -hmm. and more and more and more so there's this the social fabric is just deteriorating because 
there's such a divide in wealth. Absolutely. As you gain in uh, prosperity, wealth, prosperity, it becomes less about wealth accumulation and investment. You don't go out and you, you don't go out into uh, venture funds and go ahead and, and finance community projects. You, it's more about wealth preservation. When you get to a certain level, it's not about, okay, how do I, it's not about, okay, I need to make, um, another billion it's about i need to make sure that this billion grows slowly surely and safely because this is going to um pave the way for my great 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 grandkids in some in some way so it's more about wealth um preservation than it is creation and when it becomes less about creation you you go away from things that are innovative and things that drive the world forward you go towards internal things that are going to have low rates of return but it's going to be stable but that doesn't generate and stimulate the economy at all that doesn't there's no there's no uh that doesn't make a dollar change hands at all that just that's a dollar that's just going to a bank and sitting there it's completely stagnant because our our psyche is is just not wired that way and we don't think like it's not i don't think not most people don't think for a second okay here's my one dollar and this one dollar does a certain amount has a certain amount of value to me and if i'm thinking about the net benefit to the world how much benefit can this one dollar have to someone else is it better spent or distributed or can this piece of value can have more an exponential value to someone else as comparative to the value that it has to me. We don't think like that. Why would I think like that? Well, that's what my work is about. We don't think like that. And we've been trained not to think about that. We've been trained to have more money for us and our family and our people, yeah. right? So that the broader community and the people around us don't really matter as much. So talking about the toxic capitalism talking about like the divide of rich and poor and how the systems are built and profit is built on i mean the whole thing is built on more more is better Mm -hmm. right a company is not successful unless they're making more products selling more product making more money right Mm -hmm. so it's not about sustainability it's not really about innovation it's really about profit so when you work in a microcosm kind of way with a client i look at them that way too so if they're like a product of a system where they just more is better and and more for me is better then they're just a product of a very toxic system Mm. so when we work with individuals it's more about creating a really strong sense of themselves Mm. and a strong sense of empowerment of how they use their money so even though We'll talk about financial literacy and learning the different vehicles to invest in and things like that. We do stuff on like um, conscious consumption. And where do you buy your food? Hmm. Do you buy it locally? Do you buy it from China or Asia? Sorry, couldn't (laughs) like wherever. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, Do you buy plastic for everything or is there a way that you can do something that you didn't buy plastic? Mm -hmm. Do you house your money in a credit union or do you house it in a bigger bank? Mm -hmm. Um, Every time you spend your money, you're voting. Mm -hmm. You're putting a vote out there. So you can empower the change by how you lead with your money too. Mm -hmm. So I think with a lot of clients that gives them a sense of um, agency. Mm. You know, it allows them to realize that they're not the effect of things, that they actually can do something that's different. 
I never thought of it that way. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's 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 self empowerment, mm-hmm. which a lot of people lack, just in things completely outside of of money. Like it's it's not a self empowerment is not a money thing. That's not a money term. That's not a wealth management term. That's a mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a self help term. That's a I don't know what that <laughs> is. You know, it's a weird intersection that you exist at. I mean, I thought I call it like rather than creating financial wealth, it's creating financial health. Right. You know, and we live in a really sick financial world right. right now. And the only way to change that is to put another kind of virus in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a virus of consciousness, of right. change, of, of, of making, having more agency with where people are. And it's similar to um, when I'm teaching people about the financial investments in the financial industry I think most financial advisors like we're like what are you doing <laughs> don't empower those people like that <laughs> of course not yeah I don't you want know? them knowing I know educate no gosh I mean I have like a, f- a fair amount of high worth individuals that have put their head in the sand for so many years on their family wealth mm-hmm. and now that they have to steward it they mm-hmm. don't know what to do yeah. so it freaks them out mm-hmm. right and they feel like people are taking advantage of them. Of course. As soon as they walk into an, indus- uh, uh, an institution, the institution wants to know all their stuff and they don't want to share it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, ah, you're going to take my money. So there's no trust built, partly because they're not educated enough to know what the other party is doing. Totally. So it sometimes takes six months of working with a client to get them to the place where they could actually read you know, their service charges that are put on their investments or they can read what they're actually in, you know, because they have been so traumatized in so many ways that they don't know, they're stupid. Mm-hmm. You can't know this. You haven't gone to school for it. Yeah. When it's really not rocket science. It's really not rocket science, yeah. And <laughs> no. people get intimidated by anything that has rows and columns. Like, no, I, just, no. I know. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, though. Yeah. And in order for us to lead and have agency, we have to understand what we're leading. Hmm. So this is kind of like the ABCs. Okay. Like everyone knows how to read a book mm-hmm. and you might read The Cat in the Hat, which is super easy, but over the years, you're going to start reading more and more complicated stuff. You're going to expand your horizon. You're going to read sci-fi or literary, literary fiction to mm-hmm. screenplays to whatever it is that you become excited about. Mm-hmm. It's the same with money. When you get your ABCs and you're like, oh, look what, look what, uh, Look what Josh is doing over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to see what he's uh, doing. And then you look and you're, you actually know what you're looking at. Yeah. And then you can make more educated choices. Totally. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we can talk about that when it comes to wealth management and investments. But I think of it even on a deeper level when it comes to conscious consumption. Mm. Because, uh, you know, for instance, so I have such I have such an odd relationship with buying things like. I'm torn. Like I'm, I'm, I'm deep in thought when I'm shopping. Like I, I don't really shop, but if I do, I am deep in my psyche. Like, um, we went to, uh, my girlfriend and I, we went to Swanson Mills uh-huh. and, and because my work shoes, like I like to, like I run things into the ground. Like I just do like that's, it's, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Like for a, a, a plethora of reasons and I'm there and I'm buying new shoes, new work shoes, new runners. Okay. All right. There's 200 bucks, 300 bucks. Okay. Whatever. It's cool. Like I can afford it. Let's just go. You should just buy that. You should just do that. But the question is becomes, okay, like, all right, well I live in an apartment. I don't have a ton of room for shoes. 
Do I throw the old pair? Do I repair the old pair? Do I donate the old pair? Is that old pair still useful to me? What's the value exchange of that of that uh, pair of old shoes? Now, okay, that's just the old shoes. Let's go to the new shoes here. Like first, well, back on the old shoes for a second because my mind's still going there. It's like how much more value can you extract out of those fabrics, those materials, or whatever it is? If you go back to the to the new shoes on that, it's like, okay, well, where am I purchasing it? Do I support this company? Does this company mean something to me? Does it connect with me on a personal, uh, on a, does it, does, does the company's narratives and branding connect with my soul and my spirit and what my personal story is? Does that contribute to the greater good? Good, yes, no. Who? that's a heated topic. We won't even get into that one. Does it, does buying this pair of shoes, um, am I doing it to validate myself? Am I doing it to say I am worthy? Mm. Because I can go, I can go around and 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 go in and function perfectly well uh, in my old stuff and be completely um, okay however society will look at me a slightly different way versus if I throw a brand new pair of shoes and come in and walk in that office or whatever it may be okay but do I need that is that important oh my gosh you see how it keeps <laughs> it going forever it just goes and goes and goes and it, I mean beyond that it's like what's the value of a hundred dollars yeah What's the value of $100? If I can think of it from an investment standpoint, okay, $100 compounded at 8% uh, uh, return, average return in the stock market. Okay, how many years is it gonna take to double? Okay, well, what's, eight, what's $100 to me? And if that's gonna be uh, $700 when I'm 62, what's the value of $700 to me when I'm 62 versus the value of $100 to me now? Does the value of $700 when I'm 62 equate to the value I'm gonna get from the pair of shoes right now? Oh my God, you know what I'm saying? So it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And I think that most people are just not even aware of that. They don't and even who, have that. Who wants to do that who wants for to do everything that? too, yeah, no. right? It's not fun. But, <laughs> but it's, it's important for us to think about things, maybe not as deeply to all of that. I'm definitely not recommending that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that there are places where we're going to analyze those. When it comes to a point where we can't be creating all the waste that we're creating on the planet, we're going to have to make those decisions right. that way. Yeah. So why not start now? Why not be the leaders to it? Totally. Because it's inevitable. Yeah. And yeah. it's similar to like, like even this plastic water bottle. I know. Right? So your, your lovely colleague came in and yeah. gifted it to us. So yeah. like, it's like, thanks. Yeah. And it wouldn't be my first choice. Of course not. Right? But there was like a, you know, acknowledgement of that. That was really Thank kind. You. That was a kind notion. It was a really kind thing. Notion. And I'll make sure that this gets put in the right place. Yeah, or right? reuse or whatever it is. Yeah. But if you had your choice. It wouldn't have been my choice. It probably would have been your water bottle or something like that, right? <laughs> I didn't even bring one, but oh I should have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> I know. So, but like those kind of things are front of mind for me. Of course. You know, some people won't even think about it, but they are. And I don't go down the rabbit hole with it. Just going, oh, that would have been a different choice if I was in a different position. position. Totally. Yeah. So I think those are the most important things. And things like, like what I do with clients is like there's little bits, there's little things that you can really pay attention to in the small ways, like a cell phone. Mm. We buy an iPhone last two years. Okay. And the research is that a new iPhone is equivalent to you driving your car every day for two years. Wow. The amount of carbon footprint it takes to mine what you need to mine out of the earth, to to build all the things on it. So if you held that phone for a year or two longer than buying the new one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you would have saved an enormous amount on the planet and not made apple that extra yeah i know because yeah. they make it all obsolete right yeah. but most people don't think about that they're sure. like oh yeah like i'll i'll recycle that 
you know yeah and even i mean recycling is we lack a lot of education on recycling and the market for recycled materials and upcycling. And I mean, that's a whole nother rabbit hole in itself. Um, but I'll bring it back a little bit because I want to get back to kind of like the fundamentals of what you do and the fundamentals of your kind of way of thinking about, uh, money. And you speak a lot about archetypes and, and financial archetypes and money archetypes. Could you expand on that a little bit? What does that mean? Like I know personality archetypes. What is a money personality or a money, um, I guess it's just a money profile, a money archetype. That's the best way to put it. Well, they're based in Jungian psychology. Mm. And um, there are many archetypes. I think there's like 26 Jungian archetypes that are out there. Right. But if you really looked at them, there's only nine of them that actually relate with money. Okay. Like if you were to, it, about consumption or like in the, how we relate with purchasing things or saving or that kind of thing. And I have an archetype quiz on my website that talks about, you know, different characteristics that you have in your history and in your present. And it could show up like some people, a lot of times the people that come to me are one of three archetypes. Okay. <laughs> like an innocent is someone that, you know, we're all born innocent as kids. Do you want me to go through them or like, no, I don't go, know. Just <laughs> like, go, go, please. Yeah. yeah, no, please do. I mean, we can intersperse them throughout our talk too because it's there's nine of them <laughs> <laughs> we'll run across we'll run across a few of these characters on our journey today yes yeah. because i do do a whole segment on the money hero's journey okay. because the hero's journey is the joseph campbell um story of how he kind of models most movies most famous stories through jesus to luke skywalker to dorothy from the wizard of oz like Jeez. they all and harry potter they all have the arc of the hero's journey and i think it's so clearly an arc for most people with money too mm. so i relate to that story and how we are all a hero on this journey of becoming wow okay i'm sorry we, we gotta <laughs> go there like we can't not go there after you just <laughs> okay. said that so maybe please um shed a little bit of light on the hero's journey what it is and then and then contrast it with how the hero's journey could relate to the journey i go on in the relationship that i have with money so what i'll do is i'll weave the archetypes through Ooh. because all nine archetypes are an evolution of what we because we have all nine of us oh, nine of them in us okay right and they show up along the journey we're a dynamic character we change yeah right and we evolve and we become more mature and more more resilient and we learn from our mistakes oh so i don't so my archetype that i'm born with isn't like my money archetype can change many times the, yeah. my relationship can change many times it's not something i'm it's not in my genetic code to be in no debt. no it's not like the enneagram <laughs> or like a astrological sign or anything sure, 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 sure. <laughs> but they're like um you can witness your behavior by looking at the archetype that's showing up okay you know like the innocent every one of us we're innocent so we start as yeah. as as innocent and some people some kids are not allowed to be innocent they have to be like you know working on the farm so they can't play right. or like, you know, they don't get to play and have someone take care of them. Mm. You know, some kids that are born with parents that don't provide for them, they never get to be innocent. They're always worried about everything working out or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So the work around that is different than if you were an innocent and your parents took care of you, maybe you're a trust fund baby or <laughs> something like that. Mm. And sometimes you're married young. So the, the par your partner takes care of all the finances and you never know how to do it. Right. You know, so then that's the innocent where you just keep your head in the sand. You don't like to look at it. You think, I don't, I'm not good with numbers. Yeah. 
you know, those people usually are the ones that hire me. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. And that's the beginning of the journey. Right. Right. That's what you in the hero's journey is that's the ordinary world. What is, so what are some habits of, of the innocent look like? What, what are some problems they encounter and how does that kind of manifest itself in, they, in practicality? They can be, they're really happy-go-lucky. Nice. They're really good at like um, getting someone to really like them and take care of them. There you go. <laughs> you know, so they'll, they'll feign they don't know mm. and attract maybe a warrior archetype that wants to rescue them or a mart or a caregiver mm. archetype that wants to take care. So like, you know, sometimes there's those relationships. Okay. Sometimes there's a tyrant archetype that will take care of an innocent and they're the ones that track everything. Right. You know, right. and they want to make sure they kind of have that feeling that there's never enough. So they hold everything really tight. You bought tight. organic apples for nine ninety nine. The heck? Yeah. Those 4 ones. What are you talking What's about? What's wrong with non-organic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> yes. An apple's an apple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the tyrant has its own gifts, but a lot of times they're pretty controlling. Right, right. You know, right. especially with that feeling that there's never enough or something's going to happen. Totally. Um, but the innocent will really know how to take care of themselves by having someone take care of them. Got it. Until they get divorced or someone leaves them and they have to fend for themselves. Right, okay. And then they have to change. They have to evolve. Because mm. life throws them a curveball, and that's in the hero's journey you're in the ordinary world where you're not having to deal with anything right. and then you're there's a call to action there's a call to adventure mm. that comes to you and you're like oh you get something happens and you have to wake up and you can refuse the call mm. and say i don't want to do that but it'll keep coming right it'll keep coming like in the stories it's like harry potter luke skywalker um dorothy they all classic call to action they're living in kansas or luke skywalker's living in the colonies or harry potter's under the stairs something happens it's the inciting incident right Mm. so it's a really great way of looking at our lives like as an innocent it's like you thrown into having to have your own job that could be your call to action or you are kicked out of the house at a young age or you you um leave home right um or you get a divorce (laughs) Oh, you know, and you have to do it then for yourself. So call to actions can happen many, many times in your life. Right. And you can refuse the call for a really long time. <laughs> Put your head in the sand and find someone else to rescue it. Yeah, you say, and no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get another loan. Get yeah. another credit card. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and the second archetype is the, the orphan. Mm. And the orphan is someone that feels like their family, their loved ones, institutions have all abandoned them. Mm. And they're all alone. They got to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of blame. Mm. Against, Towards other people? Yeah. yeah. Blame that you didn't do what you should have done for me. Mm. You know, I'm here because of you. Mm. So there's this real kind of a victimized place in that orphan sometimes mm. that can lead in sometimes it'll show up as like being really manipulative you could be a you could steal things or you know um sometimes the orphan um needs to assume a certain look in order to kind of feel strong enough because their sense of self is not strong enough themselves Mm -hmm. so they might like assume a kardashian look or or like a, a certain um image that that feels more about how they would like to be, but right. not who they are. Right. Yeah. Mm. So how does that fit into the hero's journey? So those are the young, two oh, young okay, gotcha. ones before they 
go on the journey. Mm. You know, they may have the call to action, they may have the refusal of the call, but they haven't crossed the threshold. Ooh, what is the threshold? When you cross the threshold, there's no turning back. Oh no. That's Dorothy on the yellow brick road. She's on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that crossing the threshold is when Harry found out that Voldemort killed his the, his parents. Right. Because he was, there's no going back. Yeah, you can't. Right? He can't. He's gone. He's on it. Yeah. So when you cross the threshold, you're on the money hero's journey. It means that you're trying to figure it out. You're maybe getting an education. You've you assumed a job. You're taking responsibility. You have these kids you're, that are take, you got to take care of, right? So you're doing it. And when you cross the threshold, two, oftentimes two of the archetypes can show up. The first one could be the warrior. That's when you like, I can do this. You know, you might be a really young warrior and screw up a lot, but you still keep getting up and doing yeah. it. And then the caregiver. The caregiver is the one that takes care of everyone that's struggling, you know, and that's a real adult, more of an adult archetype. Right. It's one of the first ones. And um, they could become really resentful for being people taking, taking advantage. I don't know if you've ever met caregiver. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> for sure. I'm a caregiver. I've been a caregiver throughout my life. I see. Yeah. And I think there's a, this place where you give in order to get in a way. Totally. You know, but a really evolved caregiver gives and they can't help it. It's just part of their nature and it really feeds them. Mm. So there's different ways of ma navigating an archetype. Like some are more healthier than others, but some are on different continuum. Wow. And then along the journey, you're going there. The next stage in the journey is where you meet your friends and your enemies and your and your tests. So you'll meet the people that are rooting for you. They have your back. And then you'll meet the people that don't want you to win. Right. And sometimes those are family members. <laughs> Yikes. You know, they don't want to see you succeed. Right. It's the tall poppy syndrome. I think that's what. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to see you get that house or buy that property or buy the car or take the vacations or have the financial freedom. Yeah. yeah. And then you know who they are. Right. And sometimes you think they're your friends and they're not. Yeah. So the wisdom is to learn who your friends are and who your enemies are. Oh my gosh. And then there's a lot of tests along the way. Right. Like, I don't know how many times crossing the threshold for me with my clients is like, they've hired me. They've cro That's when they cross the threshold. They've given me their money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I believe that it's the money that they contribute that makes them more um, accountable. Right. And I think that's how I can use money in and a way to create- that's how it becomes the threshold. Yeah. And um, when they cross that threshold, usually what happens is a car breaks down or like appliance breaks down or they lose or like something happens. Shit right. hits the fan. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I did something's wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I need to go back in my hole. I'm like, no, you're on the right track. As yeah. soon as something happens, it means now you're building the muscle of how to deal with it because life happens. Totally. It always happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So some of the other archetypes that are usually around that time is the fool. Mm. The fool's very impulsive, likes to gamble, likes to take risks. Right. Um, the fool is kind of will go on the journey without even knowing what it's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Line them up. Let's play. Yeah, here's my money. You yeah. fix me. <laughs> yeah. I know I got a problem. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm, I've been a fool a lot in my life. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Totally. I moved countries. I've given money to like really horribly 
s- sketchy yeah, people you, to invest in yeah. and Ooh. i've learned a lot about <laughs> my impulsivity mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and i think it, it's been fun like i it's like i the fool lands on their feet the fool lands on their feet you know that's they, a great way to put it they don't live in fear right like the orphan lives in fear the mm-hmm. innocent lives in fear the fool will take action and or give you the shirt off their back and won't even know it's their last shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Are those zeros in my bank? What is that? Yeah. Oh, I guess I got to go figure it out again. Because yeah. money is like a game for the fool. Totally. You know, it's yeah. not so connected to who they are. It's like, okay, let's do it again. Yeah, it's fun. It's a tool. Like I can go out and I can... I'll put it all on a, on a small business and if I lose it, I'll make it back, you know, or, yeah. or I'll, I'll buy the equipment and if it, if it fails, it's fine because I have another way to get it and, and we keep going and going and going. Yeah, my father was one of those. Yeah. For sure. And the problem with the fool is that you take people down with you. Oh, no. Yeah, like your kids yeah. or your family or your, or maybe the government because like... Or maybe the damn government, which is not somebody you want to take down I with know. you. Yeah, <laughs> for <know>. sure. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And those are like... Um, when things happen like that, that are really challenging. One of the stages in the hero's journey is the dark night of the soul, or I call it the belly of the whale or, or, um, like, it's like where you go, you've like you, everything's at loss. You don't know what direction you're going. It's the dark place. And you have to retreat. And this is the, the strongest, the most powerful, um, part of the money hero's journey. It's when you retreat and you pull in and you gather your resources, you learn from your mistakes, you might even like, you know, reach out to someone and maybe get some mentorship or therapy or something like that. And it's like, you're ready to really put the, really to lead with Mm. consciousness. Mm. And sometimes that could take a night, that can take a year, that can take many years. Yeah, interesting. But it's a really important um, piece to the hero's journey. Right. And often mm-hmm. probably where you step in. A lot of times. Yeah. It's usually after they've come out of it. Really? Before the dark night of the store. Um, oh, and actually before you cross the threshold. Sorry. The oh order is a little wrong. You're messing up the story. But they can go. I was you hooked. can go all over. You right. can go all over. Like it's not always so linear. Got it. Got it. Got it. There's a point in your journey where you meet the mentor. Ooh. And the mentor could be a book or a podcast. Mm. Like even if like someone was listening to this and they were like, oh. I'm ready to do something different. Like mm. there's something that happens and you, you, when you meet your mentor, you feel like you have a little more strength to take action. Right. And your mentor will point you in the direction that you need to go. Interesting. They're not your therapist or your coach or anything like that. A mentor just tells you where to go Yeah. or guides you. They don't hold your hand. Right, 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 right. 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 Totally. Yeah. But a lot of us don't have those mentors and, and we lack those. And a lot, I mean, something I find a lot with people is they say, that's an, that's an escape point. That's an excuse point where it's just like, well, I don't have the mentor where it's like, well, a lot of the times the mentors are all around. The lessons are all around. You just got to take your hand out of the head, head out of the sand for two seconds and you might see totally. them. Um, oh my God. There's so many mentors. So if anyone many. says that you're like, I call bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> you turn on YouTube. Yeah. You've got a shitload of mentors. Oh, yeah. Everyone's telling <laughs> you know? someone how to do something and all that type of stuff. You totally. know, and you find someone that you really feel like you're building some trust in right. and you know, that you like how they envision the world and they tell you their story of climbing out of the hole mm-hmm. <laughs> and it gives you kind of some strength and courage to do it yourself. Some hope. Yeah, totally. So we find the mentor, we go past where we're, we're, we're climbing our way out of the dark place 
What happens next? So once you've climbed out of the dark place, there. well, sometimes when you're in the dark place, um, there's a couple archetypes that sit around there too. Oh, oh. Who <laughs> one is the artist. Okay. The artist is the one that um, has the line, money is the root of all evil. Right. You know, or money taints anything spiritual. Mm-hmm. Or money's dirty or bad or it mm-hmm. makes you greedy and, mm-hmm. and terrible. And so there's not a relationship between their spiritual world and the physical world. And that work of marrying those two is really the work you have to do as you're climbing out of the that's dark night of the soul. Work. Yeah. Those are some that's a big gap. And not everyone has the artist in them. Right. But some people do. Right. And then the other one is the tyrant. Mm. And that's where it's, they hoard. They hoard their emotions. They hoard their money. They hoard their time. They hoard their love. And um, it's this sense of, you know, it, I mean, all the politicians that are out there that we look at <laughs> represent the archetypal tyrant. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. they're they're kind of the leaders. Even Bernie? Even Obama? Oh, I'm just kidding. not Bernie, not Obama. <laughs> no. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. But the ones that are actually in power oh, right. <laughs> right now. Yeah, no names. No names. Yeah, no. No, names. <laughs> no, that's been spoken too much. It's yeah. like Baltimore. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The, one, the one of whom we do not speak. Yes. Yeah, for sure. We give them too much power. Yeah. Um, and then after you get out of the, the, the uh, dark night of the soul, um, you continue on the journey and you, you encounter like the... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the word for it, but it's the um, dragon. No, it is like the dragon. It's the it's the um, there is a word. <laughs> Sorry, I should know this by the it's, back of my hand. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. Dragon works. I don't know. But it's the it's the problem. You 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 confront. Oh, the main issue. The main issue. That's not the dragon. Yeah. You know, you you confront something, and because you've retreated, you've gathered your courage and your strength, that you can face it, right. and you can move through it, mm. and you do it, effort. You do it with a lot of um, um, presence, and when you get onto the other side of it, it's like <sighs> you realize how strong you are. Totally. And that's when the wizard shows up. Mm. And the wizard is the one that trusts that the universe has your back. Right. You know, the warrior also shows up. The warrior needs to be there with the wizard mm. in order to move through that, that uh, threshold or that, that problem mm. to get onto the other side of it. Interesting. And then... There's a couple other steps and not everyone has all of these steps of course. throughout. Like everyone's going to be challenged in different ways. No, we're touching all bases here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's the um, re- road home. Oh, what's this the is, road home? The road home is after you've gotten the elixir. You've, you've right. conquered it and you've collected the, the elixir, right? Or you've, the, the, what is it, the... The um in Lost Raiders of the Lost Art, it was the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, yeah. You know, you get it, and you you're you're bringing it back to the community. You're yeah. bringing it back to your family. You're bringing it back to your life and your friends. Right. You have this integration process mm. as you're taking the slow road home. The basically. slow road home. You nice, know, and yeah. you're you might be practicing. You're saving. You're investing. You're getting your skills up. If it's like more of the money journey. Um, 
and you have your warrior, the three pillars of a healthy relationship with money are represented in the warrior, the wizard, and the wise elder. So those three, when they're strong in your relationship with money, um, that's when it's balanced. And the wise elder is really about, you know, sustainability. It's really recognizing the story that we have all been told is a lie, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and retelling a new story. Yeah. So there's peace, confidence, and joy in your relationship with money. And then when you come back to your community of people, you become the teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, every one of my students, I want them to be teaching people. I don't want anyone to be dependent on me. Mm -hmm. Which is definitely a hole in many financial services that, you know, we don't, you don't serve to become obsolete in most, in most uh, practices. So we go from innocence um, or an orphan mindset and we kind of, we go through, we have a call to action. We, we start traveling the road and, and we have, we find our various ways of coping with the real world. And then we come to a dark place. We come to the, the point that we have to fight past. We come to um, our lowest lows, rock bottom. We come to an emotional spot where we think, okay, shit, I got to make a change. And then we go to a spot as we start to pick up those skills and pick up those practices and we find the mentor and we continue to move forward and we have that little bit of wind at our backs and then we meet the problem and we meet the thing that we can overcome. And from there, you know, maybe we have some of the financial resources or we've, you know, made some headway there or we've made some headway in our mindset there and we're able to take the first step in actually defeating that monster or confronting that problem. And then we hone. And we mm. continue to hone our skills and we think, okay, well, what does this truly mean to me? What does this mean to my community? Um, how is this best communicated? Are my skills where they need to, to be um, in order to actually become a teacher? You know, coming from someone who's um, simply just gotten over the problem, there's a big, there's a long, I find that there's a long time frame between getting over the problem and getting that confidence and slaying the dragon or whatever it may be and actually getting to the point of being the wizard. Mm. I feel like that's a very long time frame that often gets shortcut, especially yeah. today. Yeah. You know, like I think uh, I'm lucky to work in some industries where I can understand the value of experience, the value of time and just being okay with it and just saying, Hey, listen, go get a decade of reps, go get a decade. Look at a decade and then you can be the wizard. You can be the wizard then, you know, <laughs> you walk, Joss, you have so much wizard in you. It's amazing. It's like, it's pretty freaking fun. I'm sorry if I swear too much. Not at all. I have a tendency to, no worries. It's all yeah. good. I appreciate you. I mean, it's, uh, you just, you got to go through a couple of journeys, man. Yeah. That's all it is. And it's so true. I think we want the quick fix, you know, and it's, I don't, I don't know, just a good example. I have a couple clients that before they started with me, they had those apps, those um, like Robin Hood or right, like, right, right. you know, where they, you buy stocks yourself really fast and you read like Morning Sun or Motley Fool or whatever. And you're right. like, oh yeah, that's new. And you're buying it and going on it with the hope that they'll going to hit it big. Yeah, <laughs> you totally. Know? And your problems will go away. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's such a delusional experience when they wake up from it. They're like, oh, I totally understand how delusional I was. Yeah. You know, it's like there is a waking up to it. Yeah, there's totally a waking up to it. I think maybe this is um, just personal bias or through the, the people in my surroundings or, you know, the small microcosm of my life that I live in. But I, I feel like a lot of people, yeah, they wake up to it. They, 
they understand there's an awakening of so many people are in that kind of like orphan mindset where it's like, or I call it survival mode. Mm -hmm. I call it survival mode where it's just like, I feel as if there's a threshold or at least there kind of has been in my life where it's just like you have, there's a certain amount of money that you need to make. And if you don't have that amount of money, you're scavenging, you're everywhere. You're here, there, you're doing whatever you need to do to get through um, because you're constantly in that, oh shit, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And it's not so much even like, I don't know where my next meal's coming from. I mean, that's at a drastic level, but even just like not having the freedom and, and flexibility. Like I have friends that are, in, I can see, I can literally see, this is getting pretty personal. Like I know I have a buddy who loves IPAs. Mm. This is weird, right? Okay. I got, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. <laughs> I have a buddy that loves IPAs and we'll go to a brewery or whatever and he'll, he'll look at the IPA. It's an $8 IPA. There's a $5 pale ale. <laughs> he f- and loves IPAs and he'll buy that $5 fa- a pale ale. And I know him. I know what he does. I know he has the money to go ahead and buy that, that mm-hmm. $8, that $9. But I can just see in those smaller interactions, I'm like, yo, you're still scavenging. You're still scavenging because you haven't passed whatever threshold it is. Or maybe you even have passed the threshold and your mind hasn't passed the threshold Mm -hmm. of like being like, ah, no, I'm okay. So my question to you would be, and just picking up on those those little things, right? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if I am. Pretty good buddy of mine. But but so my question to you would be, you know, say there's someone that knows, understands they're in a, a survival mindset, mm-hmm. understands they're there, understands they're still scavenging. On the surface level, they're fine because most people, I'm sorry, we live in yeah. like one of the most privileged fucking places in the world. Mm-hmm. Most people are fine. Yeah, Most people are fine. Most people are going to be okay. We're not dealing in drastic situations. Most of the time, we're, we're looking at homelessness or um, savage addiction or things like that. I mean, there are those cases as well, but the general public, it's we have our basic needs are met. Mm-hmm. We're still living like we're on the streets. Um, and we're in that survival mindset. However, we know that tangibly, financially, we're not. We're going to be okay. Maybe we're not making hundreds of thousands, but we're going to be okay. How the hell do you get out of that? Well, it's not about what's in your bank account, oh. just like you said, right. right? And having the three pillars of a strong relationship with money or a healthy is having confidence. So understanding how money works and all that stuff. Having peace, which means know that you have enough that you can take care of people in your life and you can give back. So the sense of generosity, so you don't have that scarcity. Mm. And then the last one is joy. How do you do that? (laughs) The the joy or the the peace? So the joy is multifaceted and it's like that really understanding what brings you joy. Like IPAs bring him joy, right? Yes. And if you, if he denies that from himself because he doesn't have the peace pillar, he might have the confidence. He probably is invested. He has like all of that stuff, but he doesn't have peace and joy. Right. Right. And those require some work. And that's what I work with. I, of course, I build the confidence, but a lot of people can do the confidence on their own. From an education standpoint. And yeah, and understanding how it works. Right. Some people can't because they have other emotional stuff attached to it. But um, peace is like a sense of your worth, your value in the world, and this real sense of um, security. And sometimes there's some healing that needs to be done. Like say, just, I don't know about your buddy and I don't want to like put a story on him or not, but I'm going to just be hypothetical. Okay. A lot of people that don't have that peace sense have been either 
grown up told that they're not enough, that they're worthless or that they like, you know, I don't know how many parents say I've given up so much for you and you're great. You don't have no gratitude or the immigrant story. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, just like, you don't, you don't know how hard it is or I don't know. Everyone has these stories that imprint on us and, uh, that sense that there's never enough is on the bottom line of you are never enough. Oh yeah. Right. So that's where scarcity often lies. That's the foundational building blocks of peace is to really get that you're valuable and you're worthy. Mm. And joy is after peace generally. (laughs) And some people have joy right away, no matter what they have no confidence, they have no peace, but they're great with joy. (laughs) (laughs) Joy is like, you like the fabrics that you wear. This is great. They're the food you eat. You enjoy it so much. It's like, you're really this 3d world brings you so much joy. You like to go on vacation, do all of that stuff. Um, and that's, so that's, uh, that's like, um, surface level joy. Right. The deeper joy is when what you are buying doesn't take from anyone else. So I use the example of, um, beeswax. Okay. When you burn a beeswax candle, mm-hmm. it smells great. Right. Right. And it makes this beautiful light. Like if you turn the whole lights off in the house, it has this really warm light. It redu- releases like negative ions Ooh, pro tip here we go it it takes all the floaty dust in the air and makes them fall makes it fall oh, i didn't know that so it's really a great air purifier hmm. it doesn't burn dirty so you're not breathing in any of the paraffin stuff right, right? Yeah. so when you smell it if you know what it's doing it feels good right right and you don't overwork bees because that's what they do. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what they make. So it's not like slave labor or like, like labor. child yeah. labor right. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the beekeeper really kind of loves what they do and they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're paying good money for them. Right. So that's that's pure joy when you buy something. If you're aligned with all of those elements. Mm. Right. But if you're buying fast fashion that falls apart in like six months and it kind of makes a rash or it's like been sitting in a pile of dye and it has a stink to it or something Mm. like that. Mm. It doesn't have a it's not joyful. Right. Right. But an IPA at a local brewery, you know, you got like someone that that made this. You know, they crafted it, they're proud of it, totally. and they're they're sharing it at this brewery. Like that is pure joy. They're, pay, they're, they're, they're actually pouring it for you and they're telling you about it. It's an experience. You can see the, the, the big drums on the sides and you're like, wow, this is insane. Like that's joy. Yeah. When you enjoy, if you enjoy IPA, I don't, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, meaning, listen, if any of you guys want to buy me a beer, just don't, let's, not, let's just not make it an IPA. That's all I'm saying. Like a lager. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. joy. That's so, joy. but it's really enjoying it, mm-hmm. like eating it and enjoying it and drinking it or whatever. So when you have joy with whatever you're consuming, which he would, if he let himself, but he's missing the piece. Mm. He's got the confidence, but he's missing the peace that got he's it. worth it. Got it. And that joy in that $4 difference between that is worth so much more than $4. Mm-hmm. So much more than $4. And that's what I think that we're missing across the board is money isn't money. Money is value. Money is not happiness. Money can create happiness. I'll say it. 
money is money can create happiness money can create joy um however it's not directly tied to that like so i think as i navigate the world and as i navigate money and as i navigate relationships with money and relationships with other people i think about okay how can i put the least amount of effort into this to get the maximum return right Mm -hmm. that's how we work Mm -hmm. we're efficient human beings so if i'm taking that mindset and i say okay if I'm buying a $3 coffee, do I get $3 worth of value out of that? Is that mm. That's how that's how the market works, right? That's how we barter prices, and that's how we find market equilibrium. What if we thought about it in a different way of, okay, in the, in the case of the IPA, can I get is can I get more than $4 worth of value in that increased price right there? And if the answer is yes, go with it, because that's that's truly what money is about. Money is not about Money is not gold anymore. Money is not fish. We're not trading. We're not bartering. Money is, is, is a very much intangible thing that it's simply about value. So how do you create a sense of value to money? Because to a lot of people, mm. oh, it's not I worth lo- anything. I love where you're going with this. Mm. How <laughs> is it valuable? I don't understand. It's like, it's not dollars anymore. It's so funny you say that because the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing mm. is I, I have a calling. Mm. Like, you know, I have a purpose. I have a vision of what I want to do in my lifetime. Right. So I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And I'm so clear on what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to get there, mm. but I know where I'm going. Right. And one of the things that pull me most into doing this work and it has to start here with financial literacy and emotional intelligence around money is I want to transform how we relate with money so that it's a vehicle for connection and love. So how we relate with each other and how we spend our money, how we use our money is a way of creating connection with you and I and the planet. Mm -hmm. Because what has happened for so long is we've removed the planet as a connection with money other than let's consume the hell out of it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So if there's an equation between the planet, you, me and our community, then there's a balance. Mm. And that's where we create where money has value to us because money represents balance. Money represents, um, connection. Mm. Mm. I don't know why my head goes here, but it's like I spent the morning going in and out of a sauna and a cold tub and I was in the sauna. It was a personal sauna at this guy's house. And I was like, how much did the sauna cost? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, it was like 10 grand. I was like, Jesus, you know, like, damn, 10 grand. And he's like, I would have spent a hundred. Uh-huh. I would have spent a hundred. Like, I would like, I'm not going to tell the sales guy that, but like I would have spent a hundred. No problem. Cause that's what the value is because that, the difference in those prices brings me closer to myself, which brings me closer to the world, which actually brings me closer to money, mm-hmm. which is a weird, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to say. Right. And that's kind of like when it comes into how do I create connective, like just a connected paradigm around money. It just kind of seems like a nice play on, you know, how mindful you need to be. And yeah, how, in totally. every transaction, right? Because mm-hmm. I get lost in transactions. I'm sure a lot of your clients do as well. Oh, for like, sure. Me do, included. <laughs> how do I be mindful of every transaction when if I go on my budgeting software and I go November the whatever, uh, 
uh, 16 transactions. Like, what are you talking about, Brenda? I'm going to be mindful about all those 16 transactions. Like, come on, that's too much. Like what? I don't care. $3 coffee, this over here. Yeah. I bought a book for $29. Like I'm not going to be mindful about all that. So how does this come back to practicality and how do you like kind of integrate these deeper feelings of connection and mindfulness and emotional healing into like, okay, now every day I'm going to go into the world with my credit or debit card. How do I change? How do I move? I don't understand this. Right. It's education. Whoops. Sorry. It's totally education. It's like being aware of what you're buying. So like if we brought it back to the sauna, it was like, okay, he has $10,000. He has a hundred thousand dollars. Like it's not like an issue of what's the cheapest. It's like, that's what he wants, right? right? He wants like a, probably a cedar wood sauna with rocks or like that kind of thing. Right. And you get a choice. Okay, where do I buy that cedar? Right. What did that company do? How are they mining the um, electrical that's coming out of that? Is right, there right, right. is there a different choice on buying that? Mm-hmm. And if money is not an issue, why not buy what is the most ethical? Right. You know. So, yeah, it's about him connection to himself, to his money, to to his body, to all of that stuff. But and then take it another step. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting. Totally. So if you had one takeaway for everyone, what's the first step in evaluating your relationship with money and and making that important enough to actually make that evaluation? What's the first step? It's a different step for everyone. Mm. Unfortunately, (laughs) fortunately for me, (laughs) but but I can give you kind of some beginning spaces to begin if you're recognizing that you're very disconnected to your spending, mm. where you're just spending because you're feeling down and you want to go buy a new outfit or you or had a bad day, so you're going to drink a whole six pack. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just these ways that we anesthetize ourselves. Mm. And, and, sorry, hold up. Anesthetize? Anesthetize. I have no idea what that means. Like anesthetic. Anesthetic. You know, like numb. I'm going to look that up. That's awesome. Sorry, I did not mean, I just got excited about that That's word. okay. It's a good one. <laughs> Anesthetize. Yeah, cool. Cool. <laughs> to numb ourselves out, you know, and we do that with money. Totally. You know, so when you're not, if you're using money to numb yourself out, then you're not relating to it. Mm. Right? So it's just making, becoming aware. Totally. Now, if you're obsessive, scarcity mindset, hoarder, kind of like don't want to spend anything and that kind of thing, there's a different approach. You know, you may not be anesthetizing yourself with money. You might be doing it in other ways. Right. You know, could be television or whatever. Whatever it is. So it's really about bringing yourself into the present moment. And if you're using money to take yourself out of it, then you're not leading. Money's leading you. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Shit. Okay. Yeah. Got me on that one. No, totally. You're not leading money. Money's leading you. Wow. So it's about leadership and your money habits. That's Super exactly cool. what I'm creating with clients. Right. I want you to be a leader in the world with money. Right. Totally. If you had one, if you had one core takeaway, one core principle that represents your, you yourself as a person and the narrative you're creating professionally, what would that core message or that core principle be? Cause you say so much. I know. There's so many, so it's so multifaceted. If it was one thing, that a listener was to take away, it would be. The way you relate with money 
having a healthy relationship with money is the way I believe we can change the world. Mm. Totally. Yeah. I don't know if that's the core synthesized. So you're asking me to synthesize all my work into a sentence? Not into a <laughs> sentence, you silly person, but into one core paragraph, say. For instance, like oh. it's um, at the core of my... Um, at the core of my message or the podcast message is to be uh, aware and ask questions about everything, mm. about everything and to be um, question your motivation, question how things came to be, um, understand and accept the answers, know that you can't change them and, and be okay with that process. But just whatever you do, don't not ask the question. Um, and that's why we can cover such a, a wide range of topics. You know, go into the details, go into the details and care, be curious um, and ask questions. Um, so if I was to synthesize what my message is on this podcast, it, it'd be something a little like that. Um, you know, for you, oh, it could be so many things. I think I know what it is. so many things. I know what it is. It's right. just, I've worked on these like little elevator pitches for so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I was to synthesize my work and what I'd want people to experience after working with me or even after, whether it's with me or deepening their relationship with money. Right is I would like them to have a deep and unwavering confidence with their relationship with money. They understand it and they're not lost in the jargon of this industry mm. so that they can lead their choices. Mm. And that they had a powerful sense of peace that they are taken care of mm. and that they, their needs are being met and they can't help but give back because innately each human wants to be generous and give back when their needs are fulfilled and their cup is running over. And then the third thing is I'd like them to experience an ecstatic joy with being here on the planet, like with all the amazing innovations that we create and the, the health, of our food and of our water and of the fabrics we create and the art that happens to really truly experience the joy of what it means to be human on this planet. Be joyous, be joyful, be joyful, experience joy. Yeah. Amazing. So peace, joy, and confidence, peace, joy, and confidence. Brenda, where can people find you at Brenda St. Louis.com. Brenda St. Louis. Brenda St. Louis. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> are you on any social platforms or are there anything anywhere else you'd like to send people or just your website? LinkedIn, Brenda St. Louis. Awesome. Facebook, Brenda St. Louis. Twitter, Brenda St. Louis 7. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda St. Louis was taken? Oh, these people. I know. I think it's because I had two accounts and oh, <laughs> I couldn't no. figure out how to oh, close no. the other one. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for coming on. I hope people get in touch with you if they need to. Um, and uh, thank you for sharing this kind of new dimension to, to money we may have not have thought about. Thank you so much for asking so many questions and eliciting so much out of me. So I really appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>